Yes, well, good morning, New Spring family all across the state here in Anderson. Everybody's like, I wish every campus could see. People in Anderson look at the stage like, wait. Where is that voice coming from? Um, but if you're in Anderson, can you help me welcome every campus, people watching online? Come on. And if you are watching online or at another campus, I wish you could just feel the floor in Anderson right now. Everybody's like, don't come talk to me. Don't come talk to me. Don't come talk to me. I won't. Hey, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, but today's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Uh, if you are new, I know we have a lot of college students back, um, a lot of AU students here, my alma mater, go Trojans. Uh, but I wanna welcome you. That was, someone was very excited over there. I appreciate that. Carry that passion with you into the college year. But we are in this Sermon on the Mount series where we're just gonna look at the um, beginning, the first ever sermon of Jesus Christ. And I just have to confess to my whole church family. It is a humbling and intimidating thing to be handed the first sermon of Jesus and be like, preach this. I'm pretty sure it's been preached as good as it can be preached by the one who preached it, but I will try my best. Because this sermon is, um, it's not even popular among Christians, among churches. This is like, you'll hear uh, quotes from this message really all across specifically Western culture. There's just catchphrases that you hear, but... This was Jesus's first ever sermon. And if you missed last week, Brad did a beautiful job of kicking off what the whole sermon was even about. As Jesus starts his ministry, he is defining that there is a king, there is a kingdom, and there is a people that he wants to invite in and then make like him to live within this kingdom. And does anyone remember what the first declaration of his kingdom was? It was the word Repent, I heard it. That was an AU student right there. Come on, the study has already begun. It was repent. And the word repent simply means to get heaven's view on the matter. So through this whole series and today, we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit, would he come give us heaven's view on all matters, but specifically today, his view on blessing. Now, before we get into that though, before we get into heaven's view on the matter, I wanted to also, this is why I'm starting out here for everyone nervous. I wanted to give us a view of what it would have felt like in that culture and in that perspective because a crowd like this would have gathered to hear Jesus teach. And, and I don't think I can fully explain to you how ripe the moment was for Jesus to come and preach this message. We heard it last week, but in Matthew 4, Jesus has just gained this large following because he healed a multitude of people. And, and people start to lean in because for thousands of years, the Israelites had awaited a Messiah, someone who was going to come and, and completely restore the nation of Israel. So when he starts healing people, they go, this guy might be it. This, this might be every prophecy, every promise, every declaration we've heard for thousands of years, what we heard around the Shabbat table, what we heard at, at Passover, this guy, he just might be it. So imagine they walk up that hill this morning and they're just all excited, much like y'all all are coming to church every Sunday. They're walking in and they're talking with their friends like, Erica, bro, do you think this is it? I don't know either, but I'm excited. 
What do you think he's going to say? I don't know either, man. I wonder if he's going to come like the great warriors of the Old Testament, like Gideon or or David. I I wonder if he's going to come like in wit and wealth, like Solomon. I wonder, let me tell you, I want him to start a revolution. What we know by the Reverend Kurt Franklin as, do you want a revolution? (laughs) Woo, woo. So imagine the expectation, imagine the build, imagine the opinions of how God is going to finally bring his kingdom. Jesus walks among the crowd and he goes to a hill that would have looked much like the screen we have in Anderson today. Maybe he sat on one of those rocks just like that. And as he sat down, imagine the hush that comes out of the crowd. People on the edge of their seats leaning into every word. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth are, blessed are the poor in spirit. What did he say? Did he say blessed are the poor? Okay. Just to let y'all know, as a preacher, sometimes that's how your points land. And in that moment, what Jesus is doing is taking every expectation that people had and turning them directly on their head. For he refuses to come the way people expect him to. And his kingdom, it seemed upside down to them then, but what we will learn through this series, it is actually a kingdom that is being turned right side up. Because from that moment, think about it, I don't think I can begin to explain to y'all just how diverse the crowd was. It says that a group had gathered from Galilee, the Decapolis, uh, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And I don't, the diametrically opposed opinions that would have been in that crowd. I'm talking about fundamentally different opinions on politics. You just say that word in here and people are like, don't talk about it. Fundamentally opposed uh, ideas about how life should work, how God should even bring his kingdom. But just like us in this room, in the midst of our diversity, in the midst of our different political opinions and the difference in our socioeconomic statuses, he comes to address questions that culture asks and this culture still asks. And it's these two questions. What is the blessed life and who will show me how to live it? Josiah, who's gonna show us, man? Because I don't know about y'all, but I I just wanna be happy. Anybody else? Uh, those two questions are ones that I still ask myself now. If you're anything like me, it happens in the middle of the night when you finally lay down to go to sleep. Anybody else? You're like, finally, cutting my phone off. I'm gonna get me a solid eight hours. Some of y'all are new moms and you're like, eight hours. That would be the blessed life indeed. But it's the moments that I lay down that all of a sudden my brain's like, let's solve all the world's problems right now. And it's like, I don't, I just want to go to sleep. But I ask myself questions like, am I happy? And how would I, how would I know if I'm not? And if I wasn't, like, who would tell me how to be? And for that, for, for the fulfillment of happiness... In order to be truly happy, 
is where we gather around the Beatitudes or the blessings of Jesus Christ. Because that's what, maybe you've never like, maybe you don't even know what the Beatitudes are uh, or you've heard it and you're like, what's that even mean? Great question, I would love to tell you. Beatitudes just comes from the, the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible and the word is bidisunt. And for someone to be bidisunt meant just like a, a, a blessed life or a state of bliss. If you were to say someone was bidisunt, you would say, oh, that person is happy. So when Jesus teaches these beatitudes, here comes um, a point, you can take a photo, you can write this down, you can open the app, but the beatitudes, they introduce someone who is to be congratulated. Someone whose place in life is an enviable one. Happy are those who walk in an everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. How beautiful is it? Gosh, I just, just so y'all know, my prayer has been that today would just feel like a deep breath of a message. Because how beautiful is it that when Jesus begins his ministry, where he starts is speaking blessing. He starts not with expectations, not with a bar to meet, not with um, a list of things to, to follow. He starts by speaking blessing. I pray that this would be like salve to weary souls today, that it would be like fresh air in your lungs, that Jesus's desire is to bless us with the true definition of happiness through these beatitudes. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of beatitudes. There's eight of them. Now, I'm not good at math, never have been, but if I were to teach through all of these one by one as in depth as I want to, we'd be here for a while. And so what we have done, I'm gonna do my best to teach these holistically today, but we have created some additional teaching. I got a chance to, to study a little, a little more and um, provide some additional teaching on YouTube. So before we get into things, I'm gonna invite you to subscribe to New Spring Church on YouTube. I'm laughing because never in my life did I think I'd be like, like and subscribe to the YouTube page, follow for more. Like I don't, that just feels so odd to me. But I'm telling you, th these are so rich. And if you will go look at these through the week, through the next month, there is so much depth to each and every one of these Beatitudes. Because today the message is gonna feel a bit like, you get a blessing, you get a blessing, you get a blessing, you get a blessing. Because there's just, there's so much richness here that there's no way we could go fully into all of them. But here's what I wanna invite us all into. Everyone won't be able to get everything, but everyone will get something today if you will lean in. I truly believe that. Because what we're truly gonna do for the next few minutes is we're just gonna behold Jesus together. Many times it's hard to define something, but you know it when you see it. You know what I mean? Because I don't know, you go look at this list and I'll think, lovely list, sounds aspirational. There's no way I could possibly live that kind of life until you realize that someone already did. Look what um, Clovis G. Chappelle says, not Dave. Four leaf Clovis. Some of y'all didn't get that, and you know what, God bless you. Look what he says, these beatitudes are descriptions of the character of our Lord. 
Jesus can speak with an authority on happiness because it is his constant possession. So for these eight, we're gonna look at it and then we're gonna see how Jesus lived it. And what we will see as we see how Jesus lived each blessing is that all eight of these things are really trying to tell us again and again one thing. This is the tying point throughout the whole message and it's this, blessing will come no other way but God's way. Blessing will come no other way but God's way. And the world's way is attractive, I will tell you that. Because it's immediate, you can see the immediate results of it. But through the life of Jesus, through his word, through his spirit, we see blessing, true bidisunt, happiness, will come no other way but God's way. As we behold Jesus, may we get heaven's way of thinking on blessing. So if you're ready for these eight and beholding Jesus in them, can I get an amen? Amen. Y'all are with me today. Let's get it. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Come on with this. This one was ruining me even last night. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew 18, one through four, he says, or it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now I'll tell you, I preached a whole message on this at the beginning of the year in the series Desperate. You should go back and watch it. But the reason I bring up this childlikeness is because poor in spirit actually means completely desperate or destitute, someone who is totally in need. Now, who is more in need than a child? And who has no problem telling you when they're in need? A child. You may be thinking, I just wanna go have a nice night at the restaurant. We'll be in and out. We'll go grab some some tortilla chips and some salsa. It'll be great. That kid doesn't care if you want a nice quiet dinner, if they're in need. You want a nice night of sleep? Not if that kid's hungry. The desperate and destitute cry out when they're in need. And Jesus is saying that is the doorway to the kingdom of God. When we realize our complete desperation. Can I just encourage everyone at New Spring Church today? Many of us feel like we're losing or we can't gain happiness, not because we're weak, but simply because we won't admit that we are. This is the doorway to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus understood this. Look what he said in John 5, 19 through 20. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. If Jesus lived in a reality where he knew he could do nothing without the voice and the presence of the father, how much more should you and I? Blessing can come no other way but God's way. And apparently it starts with desperation. Number two, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, I don't know about you, but I take such great comfort in knowing that our Savior was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. 
we see Jesus mourning and weeping all throughout scripture. Think about it. He's at the tomb of his friend, Lazarus. The shortest verse in all of scripture, it says Jesus wept. He mourned. After his cousin John was brutally murdered, we see him trying to get away by himself, likely to mourn. We see him looking out over Jerusalem from a hilltop and he sees the just complete abandonment of God and he weeps and he mourns over the city. I hope you even take encouragement today that there's a God who weeps with you when you weep, who understands the presence of tears on a cheek. But here's where we have to understand this blessing. Just the presence of tears does not promise comfort. That's not what Jesus is saying. What we see by Jesus' life, it's what those tears turned him toward that provided comfort. Do you understand what I'm saying? His tears turned him toward the Father, who he calls the God of all comfort, and toward other people. He turns toward the Father and he turns toward other people. Y'all, the the temptation is that when we mourn to turn inward and allow the enemy's space to plant bitterness and exhaustion and cynicism, but what Christ shows is that true blessing comes when we mourn to turn toward the Father and toward one another to receive comfort. So I wanna encourage some people across our church today, if you are just in deep grief, You're mourning. You feel like blessing number one where you just feel desperate and destitute. We're gonna have time for prayer at the end of the service. Come forward and receive prayer. Turn toward another human being. Let them lay hands on you and pray. Read scripture over you. Probably cry with you. Because I just wanna testify, probably some of the most intimate moments I've had where the kingdom broke through into the here and now is where I admitted to another person, I just need help and I need you to pray. Can any other Christian testify to that reality in your life? Let us pray for you. That's what church is. If I could rip these seats out of the floor so we could just like be more together and like minister to one another, I would because that's what the kingdom of God is like. Brother and sister turning to a God of all comfort and saying, hey, he will comfort those who mourn. Let's turn to him and pray for one another together. Blessing can come no other way but God's way. Number three, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Now, let's just get this out front. Meekness isn't usually celebrated. Nobody's usually like, congratulations, you meek man, you. That's not not normally what happens. Normally, we're like, blessed are those who get up and grind, for theirs is the glory. It's like, I don't know, man, mornings are hard, I just... Or blessed are those with the loudest opinion who can bully everyone else into submission so they can be the boss. Sounds exhausting to me. I don't want to take a nap. I don't know. But that's not the life Jesus celebrated and that's not the life he blesses. That's also not the life he lived. Look what he says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Oh, this is beautiful. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Learn what? Look at this. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's meek. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I cannot carry, listen, from a recovering perfectionist who has a deep flesh need to earn, I cannot carry my need to earn and his light yoke at the same time. I can't. 
That's why Jesus says in another translation, he's like, hey, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this beautiful quote um, from our friend Chappelle again. He says, meekness is Christ's outstanding characteristic. It's the one virtue in himself to which he calls our attention. It is that which he seems most to desire us to imitate. Y'all, blessed are the meek. Does scripture not say it is his gentleness that makes us great? Somebody needs to receive the invitation to just stop striving and abide. And gentleness is your blessing. Blessing can come no other way but God's way. Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Come on, anybody have a good appetite? Love to eat out there? Yes, me too. I love to eat. Um, I have a consistent hunger and thirst. Uh, it's not because I have a super fast metabolism. It's just because I believe blessing of food is from the Lord. Um, now I'm like trying to eat better right now. So it just means I'm kind of consistently hungry and thirsty, but normally I live in a Bojangles blessing, but right now we're just trying to believe that this is true. Um, that blessing of satisfaction can come no other way but God's way. Come on, we all hunger and thirst for something. That's not the question. This is the question. What do I crave most? I want everybody to look at that. What do I crave most? To hunger and thirst is a common human characteristic. But to hunger and thirst, to crave for rightness is to lose our appetite for wrongness. Y'all feel that? To hunger and thirst for righteousness, the one that promises satisfaction, is to lose our appetite for wrongness. Y'all, there is a church, I wanna say this right. There is a call from the Holy Spirit of God right now for the church of Jesus Christ to mature our palate for the holiness of God. To lose our taste for the things of the world. The things of the world are like the, the funions of culture, okay? Delicious in the moment, you're gonna be hungry in five minutes. Those who hunger and thirst for what he says is right. This is the way Jesus lived. The most satisfied person you've ever seen live. People are incredibly cruel, try to trap him in his words. And you would think he would respond a certain way. You never see him respond a certain way. He just always seems satisfied, like he doesn't need the opinions of others. Imagine that kind of satisfaction. He doesn't need uh, human possessions. It says he relied on the generosity of others. There was a group of women who supplied for his entire ministry. How in the world did Jesus live like that? He tells us himself in John 4, 34, look at this. It says that Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. When you get filled with an appetite of the will of God, there's no room to feast on anything else. Even when Satan himself comes to Jesus, tempting him to fill himself the way Satan was enticing him to, he was able to say, nah, man, I'm already full. Been feasting on my father's will, get your funions out my face. What a weird point in a message, but you get what I'm saying. 
blessing can come no other way but God's way. Number five. Woo. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Our, our culture doesn't really have a stomach for this one right now. Very much an eye for an eye kind of culture. Very much a throwing accusations and just to say any lack of mercy across on social media comments, making ourselves the judge and the differentiation between what is right and wrong. But to have mercy like this, to receive this blessing, we must be consumed with the heart of Christ. Meaning we must look at humanity. We get to look at humanity the way that Christ looked at humanity. So how did Christ look at humanity? Look at this in Luke 22, 33 through 34. Jesus is literally getting crucified, nailed on a cross, people mocking him, jeering, tearing him down, questioning his identity, and look what happens. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. It's working me a bit right now because that act of mercy is literally the access point of our blessing. And Jesus says, this is the blessed life to have mercy like that, to not extend justice because, excuse me, let me take that back. There is a cry for justice in the world, but justice brought any other way but God's way is not true justice. And to be merciful is to say, I trust that there is a righteous judge who will extend righteous mercy. And I'm praying he would extend it. But there's this quote that honestly got in my face all week. So I figured might as well get in all of yours too. This is from Charles Ellicott. He says, the pitiless are usually cowards. Yikes. But here's the thing, when Christ gives us a new heart, which is what happens when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a heart of hate cannot live inside of a person who's been saved by mercy. Blessed are the merciful. This blessing can come no other way but God's way. Number six, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now, started a little sharp on the last one. Let's start a little lighter. What do you say? Um, y'all ever receive a text from someone that's like, hey, can I see you on Friday? And what you want to say is, why? You know what I'm saying? Hey, girl, you got plans on Saturday? I don't know. It depends. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, okay. Don't let me up here by myself. That's real. Because sometimes you just know when somebody asks to see you, there's something behind the question. Like, do you really want to see me or you got, there's something behind that? That's what Jesus is referring to when it says pure of heart. To be pure of heart means literally to be devoid of impure motives. I think it literally means like an undivided affection, a soul focus, a soul desire. I just want to see God. And those, it says, receive the blessing of getting to see him. Now, some of you here watching online may be like, I don't really care to see God. 
Why, why would I care about that? And I would say, whether you realize it or not, that's exactly what you desire. You may call it a search for satisfaction. You may call it a search for happiness. You may call it a desire for significance or success. But scripture is very clear that, that whatever that pit is, whatever that like aching is, that it is a thing inside of you that God placed when he knit you together that is saying, I wanna see God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, he has planted eternity in the human heart. You wanna see God. So how do you see him? Jesus tells us in John 14, nine, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Christian and non-Christian, go read this week. You're gonna be like, that's a lot, it's not that much. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or just pick one. Get a glimpse of Jesus and see if something inside of you does not shift and change and become more tender and open to what he says is blessed. Jesus is the most beautiful person to behold ever, living a perfect life, so compassionate, so kind, yet so authoritative and full of power. You continue to glimpse him, you see him, everything shifts and changes. And Christian, it is time for us to become obsessed again with just seeing God. Oh gosh, we just wanna see you, Lord. And we're gonna give space to do that at the end of the service. And I believe we are gonna see him and it is going to change us. Blessing can come no other way but God's way. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Whoo, anybody need some peace? Just a few hands. Y'all know I'm up here by myself, right? All right, yeah, thank you. Amen, saint, thank you, all right. Oh, I just, I need some peace, man. But apparently, according to Jesus, I get peace so I can go make it. And he gave us the example of how to do that in John 13. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, knowing all power belonged to him, all authority, knew what he was about to do and then he was gonna ascend to the Father in authority and what does he do? He kneels down and he washes feet. The feet of those who are about to betray him. The feet of those who probably for three years had gotten on his very last nerve. The feet of those, to be honest, who should not have been around that table. We talked about at the beginning of the message that he was preaching to a cross-section of humanity. Well, you see that cross-section right there around the table with Jesus. People who should not have been seated around the same table and Jesus shows you, hey, this is how you are about to go and make peace, watch me. And he serves. Christian, that is our beautiful invitation now. And look what this kind of peacemaking does. Look at the invitation Jesus gives at the end of of John 13, verses 34 through 35. He says, so now I'm giving a new commandment. Love each other. Church, can we please love each other? But they voted for Biden love each other. 
but they voted for Trump. Love each other. I hate what they put on social media. Love each other. Their face gets on my nerves. Love each other. Because Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Most of us will never stand on the stage with a microphone on our face, but the way we love is preaching a message to the world. And why in the world would people want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior when they see his people ripping each other apart? Love each other. Now, I'm not saying come to church next week with a basin of water at the front door. People will run away. I'm just saying, ask the Holy Spirit, God, how can I love and then go do that? Blessing can come no other way but God's way. And number eight is the long one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, we said at the very beginning that blessing can come no other way but God's way, right? So think about the way then God chose to bring blessing. Jesus did not just come and teach these blessings. He did not just come and live these blessings. He then died and rose again so that you and I have the power to live within these blessings. This life is possible to not bow a knee to what the world says is blessed, what the world says is happy, what what joy looks like for them, but to believe every single day that the blood of Jesus Christ is the means to blessing to wake up tomorrow morning and I have the same desires as y'all. I wanna be fulfilled. I, I, want, I want to have a little bit of money in my pocket. I wanna be able to like go on trips. I want certain people in my family to just be reunited. I want, uh, gosh, I want peace. I want, I want people to relax. I want a week without some tragedy happening, but to continue to look out there and say, gosh, how can I be blessed? Instead, we look up and we say, I believe that the blood is the means of blessing. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that has granted access to peace. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that has granted access to to inheritance of the things of God. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that promises you don't have to keep fighting for your own way anymore. It is freedom to submit to a God who has promised, I will be your protector. I will be your provider. Jesus laying down his life to say, hey, humanity, just, will you just come to me? I'm not trying to strip away your identity. I'm trying to give it to you. I'm not trying to strip away your, like, what I wanna live. He's trying to give you freedom. God's trying to limit No, he's trying to release you. The blood is the means of blessing nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian in here and something inside of us, why am I skipping? Because I get passionate about this. If we talk about the blood of Jesus and something doesn't happen inside of us when we talk about it, 
then today we need to beg God, would you overwhelm me with the reality of your presence? Would you remind me, have I even received you at all? Or did I walk an aisle? Or did I wanna please my parents, which was mine, by the way, when I was five years old? Till at 19, the presence of God actually met me and I realized, goodness sakes, it's the blood that's the means to blessing. I've heard it for 19 years, but today at a chapel service at AU, I see it. And last night as I was praying for this, at my own house, I was overwhelmed again with the reality. Goodness sakes, I overcomplicate all this mess. It is the blood that's the means to blessing. God, I trust your definition of blessing. And when I'm with you, I really am happy. It's the peace that surpasses understanding, by the way. The world ain't gonna make sense and then you receive peace. The blood is the means of blessing. So that's what we're gonna do now is ask the Holy Spirit, whether for the first time or to remind us that the blood is the means of blessing. If you weren't here last week, we're just giving some time at the end of each message to just respond. And like I said at the beginning, when it comes to this response, everyone isn't gonna do everything, but everyone should do something. If you're here at a campus, and you know, I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never understood that the blood is the means of blessing, but I want to. And the first place you need to go after I pray and say amen is there is a cross in every room. You need to go straight to that cross and you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's a scripture that says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Accept the mercy, receive the help. For believers in the room, can I get an amen from believers, Christians? Communion, taking of the Lord's Supper, you gonna find me at the communion table every single week. Cause you know what I need? Reminding. When I take of the, the cracker and remember, this is the body of Christ broken for when I take the blood and remember, you poured out your blood for me. I was down here at the front last week getting just ruined, taking communion. And you don't have to wait. If you come and get it, you don't have to wait for somebody to come lead you through it. You can go back to your seat, sit, ask God to overwhelm you with the reality of his presence, talk to him and take it whenever you want. All of us should be singing at the end of this. That's another invitation that we get to do is to worship. Come on, church. Have we not been given plenty to sing about? But the world's dark. Well, lightness has, light has broken into the darkness. Rejoice, cling to faith. You think I always feel it and I raise my hands? No, I'm reaching for Jesus. I don't believe right now. Help me. Maybe you are one of those who need to come and receive prayer that I talked about. We have people who are literally praying to pray with you. They'll be down here. Come receive prayer. Come ask. You can write prayer requests even if you don't feel comfortable. Put them in a, a give box at your campus and we'd love to pray with you through the week. This is what the church is. Why is there, Brad talked about this last week. Why is there so much church and so little change? Remember this? The gap between so much church and so little change is encounter with God and interaction with one another. 
we start changing. You encounter God, you gonna change. You start interacting with people around you, learning how to love them, we're gonna change. And I don't know about you, but I'm just done with the doing the church thing. You're like, gosh, this is, church is boring. It is like that if we don't participate. So I'm saying, everyone doesn't have to do everything, but everyone gets to do something right now. Let's receive this life of blessing. Let's engage with the presence of God. And I didn't, every campus, please don't, don't exit quickly. Just ask Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to respond? And then respond. Can we all do that? Great, so I'm gonna invite everyone at every campus. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And I just wanna say, I love y'all. We are in this together. I'm trying to figure this out with you. I'm trying to walk in the ways of Jesus with you. I'm trying to believe for this kind of blessed life with you. And I'm telling you, if we do this together, we will be able to live in the fulfillment of this blessed life, believing it can come God's way. So as we respond, I'm just gonna invite everybody, if you'll close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you. If we're gonna talk about blessing, I'm gonna end with one. And as soon as I say amen, you can move. But Father, I bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. The one I have felt all day is a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Holy Spirit, would you consume us with a pure heart that we just wanna see God. One thing I've asked of the Lord, this alone will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We wanna see you all consuming fire, consume your church. I pray for salvation to be poured out right now. I pray for a spirit of repentance to come forward and say, I've got to get heaven's way of thinking of this. I pray for boldness to come for prayer. And God, I pray that they would feel the reality of your goodness and mercy following them everywhere they go as they walk out of the campuses today. We're coming for you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.